Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, joyous blizzard, everything I can think of. It's uh, good to see you guys and to be together today. Um, as we uh, launch off this morning, before I get into the State of the Church address too deeply, I just want to remind you and even kind of have you make sure that you're praying. Uh, we have about a little, well, it's over 200 students and adults. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I just saw five tour buses outside, and that was for my family. So whatever the rest of the church is going, uh, up at a retreat right now at uh, the Kalahari Resort. They're up there with a couple thousand other teenagers. And right now, like probably in this moment, they're in their morning session and uh, they're hearing uh, about uh, God's will and call in their life. And God is uh, prayerfully working deeply in their hearts right now. I got a report last night that uh, over 400 of the students there had made decisions for Christ yesterday. And so that's being nurtured and kind of, hey, clap for that. And, uh, but I, I want you to clap a lot. The 845 service has a clapping deficiency. So I'm kind of banking on you guys to uh, bail us out this weekend. But I, I'm just excited that God's doing that. And I just want to make sure you know that, like be aware that a big part of our church family, a big part of our, our, the kids of our church are engaged in that right now, and uh, we're praying that God works in their life. So throughout the course of the service, just ask God to do that and open up their hearts and minds and uh, work through them. Uh, this week in Stay the Church Address, and so we're excited about that. And if you're our guest this weekend, thanks for being here. Uh, it's, uh, it's that service that's different than all the rest. And so uh, congratulations. Uh, you came on that weekend, and we're going to start a new series next weekend called Life Hacks. And uh, I think that's going to be awesome, and you're going to love it. Uh, but this weekend, if you wanted to kind of get a vibe of what makes grace tick, kind of what we would celebrate and where we want to go, it's the perfect weekend for that. It'll give you a little bit of a vibe about what we're striving to do corporately and uh, what we believe God has called us to do. And we try to do this once a year. We celebrate what God did the previous year and look ahead to uh, what we're asking and hoping that he'll do in the next year, and we call it the State of the Church Address. So when we look back at 2013, as I uh, kind of sit on top of all of Grace Church, right, all of our campuses, the Bath Campus, our other campuses, I'm going to look at 2013, and I'm going to look at that and say that I believe that the last 12 to 24 months and the next 12 to 24 months, those three, four years, I believe that 30 years from now, we're going to look back and say those were foundational years. Um, if you've been around Grace for a while, we started Grace 14 years ago. So t this weekend is your birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. And um, when we started, thank you for glad. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 8.45. I don't even like them, but don't tell them. Because I, I know that won't get out on social media. But um, when you look back over 14 years, if, you, if you've been around for a while, you know this. Grace was not started solely to be a local church. Never was the intention. Grace was started to be a movement of churches. That's why we campus the way that we do, is we share those resources, we share that leadership, uh, we share the, the dollars so that we can push out the vision of taking the kingdom of God and the truth of Jesus to people. And that's always been the goal. It's always been the stated function. We knew that it would take about 10 years for us to get the Bath Campus kind of going and rooted, get the Norton Campus kind of reorganized and settled in, and get kind of our ministries and our philosophies uh, matured and defined. And it did. It took about 10 years to do that. And we knew that from then on, we would start to be able to act on this movement that we believe that God has called us uh, to be. And we have started to do that in the last 12 to 24 months. And it's a, it's a new phase. It's not the next chapter. I never liked that analogy, but it's the, just the new phase of maturity for the vision where we get to spend more time and more energy causing that to happen than simply like figuring out how to reach kids and teenagers and those kind of things, okay? So those kind of things are like in place and moving. Now we're looking broader and saying, how do we continue to build the kingdom of God, to share the gospel, and to reach more and more people? And I believe that last year, 
this year, the next, is going to be foundational in doing that. So when I look back at 2013, I see three big wins for 2013. Uh, the first one is this. It's the unity of vision. The unity of vision. I believe that God has spiritually and supernaturally connected us uh, with vision. So one of the big projects of 2013 was the Big Little Project. You should and might remember that. And the Big Little Project had three major components to it. The first one was this. It was the purchase and the renovation of what we call the extension. The extension. So God opened this property up. Uh, we bought it. We're renovating it. You guys committed the dollars so that it will be renovated and paid off in a three-year window, actually about two and a half years now from now. So thank you for that. Thank you for your giving with it. Let me just update you on this. This project is set to hit full blast, and renovation is set to start in two weeks. That's what everybody keeps telling me. Two weeks. Two weeks, right? So God willing, and the, and the permits come through, two weeks. Uh, we'll start construction. Most of that construction can happen because most of the project's under roof. And so our hope, the plan is that in the fall of 2014, the extension of the Bath Campus will open. And we'll talk about that more in detail in a minute. The second major piece of the Big Little Project was the discipleship wing here at the Gent Road location. And this was simply the need to have classrooms to train and develop leaders. And so we raised the dollars for this project. And what they're telling me is, is that this project should start in about two weeks, right? About two weeks. So in about two weeks, the mud should start flying. And when you pull into church, your car should get dirty. But it's good because it's Jesus mud. It's awesome. It'll actually heal your car as you uh, come in. And then over the court, kind of the weather has to cooperate because this project's literally kind of coming out of the ground. So as the weather yields and we can get more aggressive with it, over the course of 2014, you'll see that, uh, that addition at the Bath Campus uh, take root and kind of watch it literally grow before our eyes. And so that's going to start in about two weeks or so, okay? Lord willing, and the permits come through. Then the third major element of the Big Little Project was missions, sending missionaries. And so we're raising dollars to get missionaries on the field raising dollars to, to basically ease financial burdens so that missionaries could get on the field faster. And the first couple that we were doing that for was Craig and Jackie Palmer. We want to expedite their move to Chad, Africa. And uh, the update on that is awesome. Craig and Jackie right now are in France. And France is where they're going to language school. So French is the official language of Chad, Africa. So they are mastering French. They'll be there for several months uh, doing that, getting the language down. And then kind of as they complete language school, our hope is that by the end of 2014, they'll be in Africa, in Chad, in Jemena, and uh, right there doing what they dreamt of doing, what we believe God has called them to do. So the Big Little Project, thank you for that commitment. All of those dollars that you committed are, by the way, they're coming in. Thank you for that. You're being very faithful in your commitment, and they're in action. They're being used, right? So it's all kind of in motion now, and over the next year or so, we'll get to see the tangible results of that more and more. Get Craig and Jackie on the field. We actually have another family and a few others who are kind of lined up behind them to, to, uh, to go to Chad as well. So all of that's in motion, right? So when I look at the Big Little Project, this is the deal. When I think about buildings and money, I think of buildings and money as utilities, right? So what's it supposed to be like zero, minus 100 Wednesday or something like that? Like we need, we live in this place. Who knows why anybody stopped and settled this part of the country, but they did and now we're here. So we need buildings because it's cold outside, right? Buildings cost dollars. Getting missionaries to the field costs dollars. Those are kind of utilities. When I look back at the Big Little Project, the big win in my mind is not that the money was raised and that buildings are being built. The big win, the massive win for me, is the unity of vision. Literally hundreds of you who have never participated in one of these big pushes before got on board with the Big Little Project. And as we shared this vision, we were sharing new paradigms, 
talking about taking uncharted risks, doing things we've never done before. God unifying us as a congregation, tying our hearts together so that on personal levels we would commit financially or commit our time to do that, that is the big win. It's the unity that comes from it. It's the kind of the corporate uh, proclamation that we want to pursue what God has called us to. We want to proclaim the gospel and we will team up to do that, even if that is in an uncharted ways. And that is an absolute thrill. That is an act of God. That is not just good leadership. That is a spiritual thing. And I think it's a huge health indicator of the, the, of the congregation and the forward momentum of Grace Church. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I praise God for that. And I look at that as a big, big win in 2013. Uh, yeah, you can clap. There you go. Ah, oh, see? All right. I want every one of you to show up to the 845 service next week and teach them to clap. You don't even have to be on rhythm. I'm not even putting high demands up. Just clap, right? Second big win. Second big win of 2013 would be this. I think that the other big thing that I'm excited about is the foundations that were laid for leadership development. And uh, when I look back on the year, look back on this vision, I know that it's going to take like enormous amounts of leadership. And we made some big decisions and God blessed us some great ways for the development of leadership in 2013. So for instance, we dreamt of a undergrad degree that could be earned here at Grace Church. And so we worked with Moody Bible Institute. They are working with Grace Church. We're the only church in the country that they're working with this way. And we were able to get uh, an undergrad degree made available here at Grace Church in 2013. So this is the way it works. You can get a full-blown liberal arts degree, just like going to Akron U, right? Same type of degree, a full-blown liberal arts degree in Bible and ministry right here at Grace. You can study the Bible. You're going to college. You're discipled. You're trained in ministry. You can finish that degree in three years, and it costs you about $30,000 to do it. It is a huge win. One of the things we realized is that in order to get people trained for ministry, they were going tens of thousands of dollars in debt, coming out and then going into the ministry I don't know if you know this or not, but there's not a lot of money in ministry, right? So they're so saddled with school debt. Now they're in an occupation that you don't make a lot of money in, and it was just kind of crippling people. And so we were looking to beat the system with that. Moody dreamt with us. They're excited about our partnership. We're excited about them. And we now have 20 students who are full-time undergrad students. Like I said, they'll have a full-blown liberal arts degree if they keep the pace with their classes, they'll finish in three years. It'll cost them about 30 grand. In other words, they can kind of pay as they go. They'll be discipled personally and trained in ministry and ready to hit the ground running when they leave our program. Big, big deal. Big, big win. In fact, if you're thinking about college, you need to be looking right here. And uh, real professors, real classroom, the whole nine yards. And it's an excellent opportunity and a door that got open for us. Another big foundation for leadership was uh, we made a big commitment to hiring interns and residents this last year. So we now have nine interns and residents that are a part of our ministry here at Grace. We're teaching them ministry. They're serving, raising up to leadership. When you think about life group leaders and elders and pastors and worship leaders and children's workers at all these campuses, that process is starting here at Grace. We also have a program we call PIT. It's pastor in training. And we've had some guys raise their hands and say, I actually, I actually want to be a pastor. Would you teach me to do that? And so first we try to talk them out of it. And then uh, we start to teach them how to do that and get them prepared uh, theologically, experience-wise, all the rest for that. That's happening as well. Think about the coaching structure in the real life group world, in the life group world. We shift the same things around. If you're a life group leader, you're most familiar with this. That's all to help equip, train, support our leaders better so that they're able to be more and more effective as they, uh, as they lead. We interacted with New Perspective differently. So some of you would know Pastor Tony led New Perspective. He went to lead Medina East. 
what do you do with new perspective then, right? Because we don't want Pastor Tony back. It took us forever to get him out of here. So, right, so what do we do with, um, with, uh, with uh, new perspective? We approach that differently. And so what we did was we interacted with Chris and Regina Amon. Uh, Chris Amon is on our staff now full-time. And what Chris does is he serves as like a dean of students. And then we hired interns and a resident under him. And so college students are running the college ministry as a older adult, a dean of students, disciples them, guides them, and steers them. It's a brand new model. I don't know of another church in the country doing it, and it's working. It's working very, very well. And we're very excited about it. I love what Chris said. This is his quote. He said, our goal is to be a teaching ministry arm of grace where we train future leaders while ministering to younger adults. And so all of this is this idea of a movement, multiple campuses reaching out, creating leadership for that so that we can continue to build the kingdom that way. The third big win then in 2013 is our commitment to sharing and maturing the gospel in the lives of people. And when I think about that statement, I just think back through the know it, live it, give it away grid and as like the, the senior pastor, I'm going to look and say, are those worlds healthy, right? So I'm going to look at Noah. I'm going to look at Emmaus ministry training. And I'm going to look and say, are more of you engaging in training than you were a year ago? And that has increased 9% over the last year, which is absolutely incredible. You look up four years ago, almost zero, maybe 100 folks were engaged in that. Now it's almost 1,000 of you that are engaging in that training process. It's huge. So that you know God's word and you're grounded and you can lead stronger within the church and within your homes. Very encouraged by that. I look at the grounded programs. Mom and dad, if you're a mom or dad, key into me right now, okay? Do you know, do you know that at Grace, we start teaching your kids theology and doctrine formally in the third grade? Do you know that? It's called the Grounded Program, and it's, a, it's an extra thing. They come in on Sunday afternoons. If they're younger, if they're third through fifth grade, we teach them theology and doctrine, and then we reward them. It's all age-appropriate, right? Then we reward them. So the younger kids earn an all-nighter. They love that stuff. I don't love that stuff. That's why I don't work with kids. I don't really like kids. I don't like my own. So, right? so I don't want to stay up all night. So they earn an all-nighter. The older kids, the junior high and high school kids, theology and doctrine, they come in, they do homework, it's extra work. They earn discounts on missions trips. Did you hear me, mom and dad? We'll teach your kid the Bible, love and invest in them, and give them money, all right? Yeah, clap, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right? It is huge. And listen, if your children are not going to a Christian school or homeschooled, Unless you're doing it yourself, then there probably is not a place in their life where they are formally learning the foundations of the Christian faith, okay? They go to Christian school, they'll get it. Homeschooling, they may get it. Other than that, we want our kids to graduate from Grace Church having a solid foundation in theology and doctrine. We want them grounded in the faith. So all of that is available and we help them, we reward them for going through it, and it continue, that program continues to grow. And if you're a parent and you don't have your kids in it, I think you're nuts. It's a great opportunity, and it's a win all the way around, and it's something that they need and will think through and encourage you to take advantage of that. So all that kind of stuff, when I look at the know-it world, I'm like, this, this is humming. Like, this is what needs to be. It's growing at an appropriate rate. More of you are being involved. I'm excited about that. And uh, I look at that as a good health measure. When I look then at the, the live it world, I'm excited about that as well. I'm going to look at life group participation. <clears throat> so life group, the involvement in life groups went up 10% in the last year, which is a great steady growth. We did a lot of changing in there. So I'm kind of extra encouraged by that number because of the changes that we did. Uh, Pastor Nate and his wife, Kelsey Rail. Uh, Nate Rail joined our staff this last year. He's working in that world, doing a fantastic job. Uh, that God, they're just kind of a godsend, so we're excited about that. And that world continues to grow, and it will grow exponentially as all these changes settle in. 
I look at the student life groups. Student life groups, catch this. This is amazing. Student life groups in the last 12 months grew 100%. They, yeah, clap it. They doubled it, right? So they doubled it. So I bought all the youth pastors a Monster Energy drink and let them have an all-nighter. They loved it. And I let them take 200 kids to Kalahari. But so encouraged by that. Biblical community is a big, big value for us. And so seeing that grow, seeing Power Outlet grow, which is the children's version of biblical community. So we're looking at that and saying those things are wins, and we're encouraged by the growth and the structural changes that are happening there. And then I look at give it away, right? Know it, live it, give it away. And when I look at give it away, I just, uh, my, <laughs> I love it. I just love it. And it's everywhere. Uh, kids are raising money to build a church in Haiti and to have a pastor there. Hundreds of you went on mission trips. Hundreds are serving in the inner city. $22,000 was given at, over the Christmas services for the human trafficking safe house. People are accepting Jesus, feed my starving children, our work in Chad and Mexico, tens of thousands of dollars invested in missions and church planning, serving here on the weekends. One of the things I love about you and I love about Grace is that give it away is, it's not what we do, it's who we are. And when I look over the whole church, I just see it in our DNA. It's our natural response to things. I absolutely love it wanting people to know and love and follow Jesus. And it's very healthy on all cylinders here at Grace. Now, all those things, the know it, live it, give it away health indicators, they all are gonna culminate in growth. And so we're gonna look at the growth numbers every year. And this is how you have to frame growth numbers, okay? So the, the average church in North America is plateaued or in decline. 94% of all churches in North America are either plateaued or they're in decline. So only 6% of the churches are growing. It is said that if you're growing at a rate, if you're in that 6%, if you're growing at a rate of 3%, it's considered healthy. 4 to 10% is considered extremely healthy. And anything over 10%, there's actually a category called supernatural. They, they can't quite explain it, okay? So you kind of frame out that way. So the Bath campus grew by 11% last year, okay, 11%. Now, let me, you ain't clap for it, go ahead. And let me, uh, let me frame this for you a little bit. We also started the Medina East campus last year. So 11% growth. If you take the Medina East campus, if you were to fold all those folks back into the Bath campus, we would have grown by 26% last year, okay? Now, the reason that I tell you that is this. Okay, ready? When you start campuses, you reach people. When you start campuses, you reach people, okay? So Bath last year, we took 200 people, we invested them into the Medina East Campus, which meant we went from this. Here's our average, we dropped by 200 people because they went to Medina East. So we recovered 200 people and then grew 11%. At the same time, those 200 people in the Medina East Campus, Medina East last year grew by 100%. They are running about 400 people, so they doubled in 12 months. And it's, yeah, it's so exciting, right? So God is working. We're going to talk. I'm going to, you're going to see in a little bit why I'm pressing this so hard, but it works. When you take the church to the community, instead of trying to get the community to come to all to one building, the kingdom is built. People get an autonomous vision. They get excited about, about Jesus and it, it doubles the efforts, see, of the church. When you start campuses, you reach people. Medina East is doing great, running about 400. They're in the middle of rebuilding their building. I'm pretty confident when they open that building, they're going to almost double. And when they open it, they'll be able to aggressively, they're not even really trying that hard yet because of the, you have to see the building out there. It's frightening. I wouldn't take my children into it. All right. Uh, But once kind of those problems are solved, God's going to work in great, great ways there. 
The Norton campus is growing aggressively, and we're excited about that. And I'm going to talk about them more in a little bit because they're going to take the lead on a big project, and I'll tell you about that here in a second. But know that they're doing, they're doing great, okay? So I look at growth. I look at reaching people. That's happening more and more. We have 279 folks that we have documented that accepted Jesus as their Savior last year here, okay? Now that, you can clap for that. That's a big one. Now that is, that's documented. Many of you in the room right now have accepted Jesus as your Savior and you haven't told us. So I won't scold you. I'll just let you know that God wants you to write it down, right? So I can say this. I say this with great confidence. Guys, listen. Every day, every day somebody accepts Jesus because of the ministry of Grace Church and the investment of her people. Every day. And that's just here. I'm not talking about our work around the country. I'm not talking about our work around the world. I'm talking about just here, right? Every day, somebody accepts Jesus, and that's supernatural. And God is working in great, great ways, and it's a huge win, a big, big deal that God has given us, and he lets us be a part of it. So when I look back on the year, I I look at it as a great year, a banner year, a foundational year, and I love it. And I want, I want you guys to enjoy it. I, we're not very good celebrators around here. That's my fault. I'm not, I'm not a very good celebrating kind of a person. But I want you to enjoy it. I don't want you to be cocky or, or prideful. That's not what I mean. But we asked God, see, we asked him for something. And he gave it to us, right? And he, he does that in part for our enjoyment. It builds our faith, it strengthens us, it gives us bigger vision, and it's so satisfying. It's so good to know that all the hard work and the sacrifice and the efforts, that a great reward is being reaped because of it, and that is a blast. It's a blast to put a number to that and say, look what God has done, right? It doesn't mean we're complete or anything like that, but for sure, take a day and savor that and enjoy it and just be grateful that we get to be a part of it and celebrate what God has done, right? So when we look ahead then, 2014, I think we're going to have a lot more fun. I think it's going to be another year that's awesome and a blast to be a part of. And when I lay out the goals for 2014, um, they would kind of look like this. There's several big goals. One is this. One is the continued development of the Big Little Project. So let's get the extension done, and let's get the discipleship wing done, and let's get the Palmers on the field, and let I hope to introduce to you the next family that's ready to go. They are kind of in line, waiting to go to Chad, and so excited about all those things. Uh, we want to double the amount of students that are in the Moody program uh, this next year. So think about the freshmen becoming sophomores. We want to fill up that next freshman class. If you're interested in that, see Dr. Fisher uh, on our, uh, or just go to the website and you can connect through there. But those are big goals for 2014. Uh, another big thing for 2014, uh, a thing that you're going to see is we are launching a major marriage ministry in 2014. This is a big, big reason why Pasty, uh, Pastor Robbie Nylinger and his wife Gina joined our staff is to lead and kind of architect the marriage ministry. So we look and realize that marriage is a, it's a huge deal in the scripture, and it's something that if you play the stats, the majority of us are not equipped to do, right? Most of us grew up in homes that went through a divorce, and anybody that's gone through a divorce didn't want that to happen, right? I've done a lot of weddings. I never stood at the wedding and had somebody say, I'm so excited to get married, and I can't wait for the divorce. I hope it's not my last. I hope I have several, right? And why do we do it? There's a, ver- a variety of reasons, I know that, but one of the major reasons why divorce is so prominent, even inside the church, is because no one taught us to be married, right? Very few of us have or had parents that were married 50 years or plus. Maybe grandparents, but most of us not parents. So we don't know what to do. Well, the Bible addresses that and addresses it in a big, big way. And we want to move in and bring those help and those resources. So think about mentoring couples, think about retreats, think about equipping seminars, those kind of things. 
different ways to help you know how to have a healthy marriage, to achieve that, to thrive, not just survive in marriage, and see that move forward. We also see that as a huge outreach opportunity because people who don't go to church, they don't want to get divorced any more than we do. They hate it too. But nobody knows how to be married anymore. So we want to come alongside and show you what the Bible says about that and support that in some very dynamic ways. So Pastor Robbie's on our team, and we have a great plan that actually kicks off next weekend, and you'll hear about it more and more and uh, see that start to become a reality. Another major emphasis in 2014 is evangelism and prayer. Evangelism and prayer. So we're going to have an effort that we're going to call I Care Community. I tried my best not to call it I Care And I was in a meeting thinking of a thousand ways not to call it eye care. And one of the staff looked at me and he said, why don't you just give up and lower your expectations and call it eye care? And I said, you're right and you're fired. So if you're looking for a job, we have an opening, right? So I I surrender, right? Eye care, but eye care community. And this is an evangelistic and prayer effort. Think of the amount of effort that would go into a big little project going into an evangelistic and prayer effort. And this is the deal. If you were around for the first eye care, first eye care was very corporate. Let's all as a church go at one time and make a big splash. Eye care community is very local. So the question is not, can we all go do something at once? The question is, do you know your neighbor? Are you praying for them? Have you ever shared the gospel with them? Do you know if they're going to heaven or hell and how can you build those relationships, okay? And we'll teach you and we'll help you and we'll pray together and we'll support you in doing it. And you're gonna see this kick off in March. You won't miss it when it kicks off. It's gonna be a big, big deal. We're really excited about it and really excited about you owning that in very personal ways and bringing that very personal ways into your natural path of life. I'm super cranked about this. So look for that big focus 2014. Another big focus, launching the sports ministries. So one of the big reasons why we got the extension is because it would allow us to facilitate sports. So when you think about sports ministries, don't think of recreation leagues, okay, guys? So softball, church league softball, eh. That's why men play softball, because we're trying to relive our high school baseball days. But let's be honest, when you were rounding first, headed for second in high school, you weren't 40 pounds front-loaded, were you? right? That's why we fall down and lose our pants. That's what happens, right? So when you think about sports, think about discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship and evangelism on the platform of sports, okay? Very excited about this, trying to get way outside the box with it. And as the extension becomes available, you will hear of that and see that be able to participate in those things more and more. So keep your ears out for it. It will happen this year. Another big goal, and this is a big one, is in 2014, we will be laying the foundations for the launch of our Barberton campus in 2015, okay? So we're going to lay the, yeah, clap for that one, it's exciting, okay? So we'll lay the foundations for our Barberton campus in 2015, and this is where our Norton campus gets involved. The Norton campus is taking the lead in the development and the launch of the Barberton campus. And we're working, Pastor Dan Gregory is our campus pastor there, uh, one of our teammates here, and we're working with him. There's a, a guy on staff there, some of you would know, his name is Jeff Martell, and Jeff has been on our staff at Norton for a few years now. He's pastored in the area for many, many years. And Jeff has a huge passion uh, for the Barberton area, kind of grew up there. We're excited about him, excited about how God can use him. He is going to become the campus pastor of our Barberton campus. Really neat stuff, some outside-the-box stuff, and we're excited about how God's going to do that. And you will begin to hear about that, the Barberton campus, and you'll begin to get information and details about how to tie into that. Those foundations will be laid in 2014 and looking at a 2015 launch of that uh, new campus, right? And then here's the, here's the big one, okay? The big goal, the massive goal, the main thing, the big deal, the humongous thing, the
the big, audacious, hairy goal, the main thing, the huge thing, the thing you need to remember, the thing we must focus on, the deal that has to happen. Everybody off Facebook? Okay, ready? Everybody looking? 2014 in the fall is the launch of the bath extension, the bath extension, okay? This is the main thing that we have to dig into in 2014 is the launching of the bath extension. Now, what does that mean? Some of you who went through the big little project will have a better view of it, but let me just hit it quickly. When you think of Sunday mornings, it will mean the creation of two services at the extension. Those services will offer live ministries for nursery through high school. So if you have kids involved in something right now, whatever they're involved in right now, they will be involved with over at the extension. They'll have teachers, small group leaders, etc. And it'll be actively working with them hands-on during those two services at the extension. It'll be live music. So think of our bands. Our bands will be at the extension and they will be loud. <laughs> Thank you very much, right? And so they'll, they'll be awesome, maybe louder. I'm hoping. I want bigger subwoofers. It's my dream, okay? And so their live music, same type of music that we would have here will be there. Here's the big caveat difference. The teaching will be a high-definition video shot. So what we're teaching here on the weekend, on any given weekend, we would teach there that exact same weekend, okay? And our goal, our dream, is to get 500 of us to move from here at the, on the Gent Road campus over to the extension and participate in that. Why? Because starting campuses reaches people. Starting campuses reaches people. Guys, listen. Our community is lined up waiting to get in here, literally. When we started the Medina campus, we sent 200 people over to Medina East. Our attendance never changed. I don't even know how that happens, right? But that's the vacuum. That's how quickly it fills as people are hungry for the gospel. They're hungry for a healthy church. And as quickly as we can create those vacuums that are filled up, starting locations, campuses, extensions, reaches people. So I need you to begin to seriously think and pray. Talk to your family. Start to pray, God, would you have us move to the extension and be a part of the pioneering group that begins that extension? Somebody asked me, they, they said, uh, how are you going to get people to go to the extension? You're going to have bagels? You're going to have bagels at the extension? No. Pizza? You're going to have pizza? No. Smoothies? Smoothies? No. They said, how are you going to get people to go there? I said, I'm going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to ask you, do you want to reach people for Jesus or not? This is what we do, right? And when you start new locations, you reach new people. That's why we do it. And this was a unique opportunity. It's three miles away. If you know the big little project, you know the whole story. So we believe God opened the door and it's time to bring it out of theory and concept and like we're actually gonna have to go. So I want you to start praying about that personally, okay? So instead of, hey, they're gonna do this thing at that place with those people at some time, and that's pretty cool. It's a, what are we going to do? How are we gonna move it? Last night, I had a guy come up to me after the first service, and he said, he goes, I'm going to that extension. Pointed at me, right in my face. He's like, I'm going. I was like, security, tase, right? And so <clears throat> he said, I'm going to that extension. I said, okay. He goes, Jeff, he said, I came in here two years ago, and he said, my life was ruined. And he said, cry about it. He said, God has rebuilt me. He has rebuilt me. He, listen to this. This math was incredible. He said to me, he said, somebody gave up their seat so that could happen for me. And I said, I think you're my new best friend. He nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Somebody sacrificed so that he could have exposure, the gospel clear and accessible, and God, it changes lives. Grace Church doesn't change people's lives. Jesus changes people's lives. 
having access to that. See. How many of you have come here in the last five years? Raise your hands. Come on, be proud, okay? Listen, listen. The only reason you're sitting in this room is because somebody gave their seat up. We used to meet out in a cafe. Then we built this room. We outgrew this building before we moved into it. So we started Saturday nights. And all these folks, 500 plus people, moved over to Saturday nights. And they've given up their seats. And the reason you have access is because somebody made the type of decisions that we're asking you to consider right now. Okay? If you can't go, if you don't want to go, there is no false guilt. I don't want that. But I, I am asking for a serious, sober, contemplating, God, would you have me do this? Would you have me engage the vision of the mission of the church in this way? And think about the extension. And we're going to ask those questions more and more because it's the big deal. It's, it's what's got to happen. And I think it's exciting and a wonderful and unique opportunity in 2014. Okay? Now, we have a major challenge in 2014. And the major challenge is this. The major challenge is ownership. Ownership. The vision of Grace Church cannot be mine. It cannot be the elders or the life group leaders or the pastors. It has to be us. We are Grace Church. I'm not Grace Church, right? We are Grace Church. Let me show you this in the Bible real quick. The first Corinthians chapter 12 God uses several metaphors when talking about the church in the Bible. He calls the church his body. So what we're going to talk about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He calls the church his bride. He calls the church his, uh, a family, right? He calls the church his flock. So there's several metaphors he uses throughout Scripture. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he uses the metaphor of the body. He says the church is made up of a bunch of parts. There's hands and feet and ears and eyes. and Everybody plays their part, Right? and forms this body of Christ. What I want you to see here real quick is not the metaphor. I want you to see who creates the body. Verse 18, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 24 but God has put the body together. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. What is he saying here? Let me bring this real practical. This is what God's saying here. Where you go to church is not a matter of preference or convenience. So you don't, you don't come to grace because you like to hear me speak. You may think that, but you don't. You don't come to Grace because you think the kids' ministry is awesome, right? You may think it, but you don't come for those reasons. Or because you love the band. You come to Grace because God has drawn you here. Being a part of a church is a spiritual thing. It's not a pragmatic one. It's spiritual. And God forms his body. The reason that we have a big church is not because it's well-led or that the speaking's good. The reason we have a big church is because God has entrusted and required a big vision from us. So God draws us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, not what we want to accomplish. You are a necessary part of that vision. You're here because Grace Church is incomplete without you, and you are incomplete without us. We're a body, we're dependent, we work together, and God has arranged that. I haven't arranged it, God has arranged that. That also means that as a church, if you don't own your part of the body, the body doesn't work. I'm not a medical doctor. But as far as I know, our body doesn't have spare parts, right? We don't have like a third arm in case this one goes bad, right? And I know when you look at some of those other metaphors, like a family, families don't have extra people. So Heidi and I don't have like, we have six kids. We don't have five kids and then like the backup kid. You know, in case that one goes awry, we just swap them out, right? That's the way it works. 
Why are you a part of the church? The only reason you would be a part of Grace Church is to be a part of the work that God has assigned for Grace Church to accomplish. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a pragmatic, practical one, or a preference thing, okay? And guys, what that means is this. I can own this vision until I'm dead and not accomplish it. If we don't all personally own it, if the accomplishments of grace in 2013 are not personal highlights for you, then we're not thinking correctly because the church is a sum total of its individual parts. It's the vision of our lives, not just the vision that Jeff wants us to be a part of. And you must own that, see? It's the, church's, it's the leadership of the church's job to make the church clear and accessible. So we'll do things like create 101, create Grace Intro, create life groups, create the Emmaus ministry training, create Power Kids, create the youth ministry, so that you know how to get tied into the church, right? That's our job. And our job is done handled. It's your responsibility to tie in. So if you say, I've come to Grace for a year and I don't know anybody, that's your problem. You have to take those initiatives. I I can't do that for you. I've come here for three years. I don't know the Bible that well. Really? How many Emmaus classes have you gone to? Well, none. It's football season. That's your problem. Don't don't look at me and say, Jeff, you don't feed me. Because I don't, I'm not, I'm actually not responsible for your spiritual growth. You are, right? If you're a baby, I, I bottle fed my babies. If my teenager comes to me and says I'm hungry, after I smack him, I show him where the kitchen's at, right? What are you talking, what are you asking me for? You have to own that. Guys, you can get the equivalent of a seminary degree at Grace, you have to engage it. You have to lock into it. And when you think about the ministry of grace, you can't be a consumer of it. You have to be a participant in it. Let me ask you a question. Let's do a survey. How many of you came to grace because somebody invited you? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Be proud. Be sure, right? Okay. Guess how most people come to grace? Because somebody invites them. Guess what you must do? Right? I can't go invite everybody. We can do that. When you feel some, when you look around, I hope that we're paranoid as a church. I hope we're paranoid that somebody might feel lonely and we would run to them. That somebody might walk into these doors and be hurting and not get loved on in the ministry they need. And so we run to those people. As somebody might feel discombobulated or out of place, so we're inviting them like crazy to our real life group so that they get connected. I hope we're paranoid that people are receiving the gospel in a clear and accessible way. I'm talking like borderline restraining order stuff. Like we need to go after people, right? If we do that, the vision, the mission of the church explodes. It's unstoppable. If we become consumers, we're dead already, right? Ownership is always a huge, huge thing. It never goes away. And guys, at Grace, this is who we are. This is what we do. If this is your first state of the church address, you will be shocked about how much it sounds like the other 13. Because this is required, this is what it takes to be people that God uses in powerful and dynamic ways to be the church that you love and to be the church that God continues to bless. Guys, uh, we're gonna sing a song here in a minute. And I love the words of this song. And I think it's a great prayer that we could pray together corporately. Let me, I wrote them down here. Let me read them to you. It's the bridge. Says this. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I love that prayer. I want us to pray that as a church. What does that mean? That's praying to God, saying, God, God, keep us in over our heads.
put us in places that if you don't show up, we are dead meat. Take us to places we never thought we could or should go. And God, help us to throw off the governors, the restrictions of our trust, and to go all in. Where we are complete, if we are not totally dependent on you, if you do not show up, we are foolish and have wasted ourselves because we have trusted you without hesitation. You lead us. We are not leaders, we are followers. And we will follow you. And you will reveal and provide for us as we go. And guys, I believe that's how a church is supposed to live. If you can plan it, manage it, and finance it ahead of time, you haven't stepped out on faith. Going all in and going after what God's heart and passion is, it is the history, it is the present practice, and it is the future direction of Grace Church, and it will always be. Because right? I love you. I, I do, probably, probably more than I could ever say. And Heidi loves you. And when we started Grace, we asked God if we, if we could invest our whole lives in one place. We love living with you and traveling with you. And that's our, our dream is to do that for the rest of our lives. This is where we go. If you're looking for a sophisticated, highfalutin, talking church, you need to go find another one. If you're looking for that kind of a pastor that's polished, that never says dumb stuff, right? You really need to go find another church. If you're looking for steady and measured and budgeted, you need to go find another church. If you want to get dirty and messy and bloody and you want to be misunderstood and you want people to look at you funny, And if you want to go to the edge of hell and try to grab people and pull them out of it, welcome to grace. And I will do that with you all day, every day. I will do that with you for the rest of my life, Lord willing. But that's what we're doing, right? That's what we will always do because we're going to ask God to keep us in over our heads because he will show up and he will do the supernatural, and he will get the glory for it. And I am convinced that the church is the cause of Jesus, and the gospel is the cause of the church. This is what we're called to do, right? And I'm grateful that you do that, and I pray that God continues to let us do that to the future. Jesus, help us to trust you, to be people of courage, God, thank you for the hundreds and hundreds that you've rescued from hell. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of that. And God, we ask that you allow us to do that more and more. To guide our steps, give us wisdom as we go. Help us to hear and respond to you, Holy Spirit, and to be the people you called us to be. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.